Welcome back, everyone, to Random Thoughts, and oh boy, do we have something for you today. So, it was sprung on us just, well, to be perfectly honest, about 20 minutes before I went live recording on this particular stream, that there's going to be a big balance patch coming in. Now, it's it's closing the gap right now. We are closing in on Mythgard Open number two. So, I want to discuss and really do some out loud thinking about well, all the changes, because I haven't quite digested everything yet, and sometimes that's the most fun to talk about things, where it's easy if, well, maybe not easy, but a few days from now, I'm going to have more solidified thoughts, get a few games under my belt, we'll make some predictions, maybe make me look like a fool, and we'll see how it goes. So, let's get into it. So, this is the inbound May 4th balance patch. We're going to have to see how this goes. And by how this goes, I mean how I'm going to manage the stream and how I'm going to manage all of these. Whoa, God, what did I just do? <laughs> I'm not going to edit any of this stuff out. So any of the errors that happen, they're there. They're there forever and they'll be recorded in the annals of the internet. But anyway, see if we can get them to break focus. I'm going to break focus all the time, Doc. <laughs> I'm just going to be checking. I'm going to be checking chat. So that'll be interspersed. But we're talking about the May 4th balance update, and I joked about it before the recording officially, but we'll approach this update with a relatively light touch. And I have to admit, I saw that, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe there's only two, three, four, five, six, and I kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and going, oh, I see what they did there. I see what you did there. <laughs> So uh, let's jump into these changes. There's a lot of things on this list that the community has been clamoring for. I even talked about some of these changes in previous uh, Twitch streams, in previous YouTube videos. It's been around the block number of discussions, and I think most of them are warranted. And I want to preface everything with the world of Mythgard is now different. Is it better or worse? We're going to find out down the line. But right now, it's just different, and we need to evaluate all of these changes and, you know, come at it with a clean perspective. You can't... It's not that you can't. Most people will immediately jump to, oh, well, this thing's good, this thing's bad. But there's a lot of context and a lot of moving parts that are going to change here. And I see already chats chiming in both to uh, bust my chops, which is always allowed and always fun, but also on some of the changes. So we'll, I'll bounce back and forth, like I said. The first one up is the boogeyman of the format, which everybody was talking about for a while. And that's safe house here. Light as in a sledgehammer is light compared to an anvil. Fair. Fair, Doc. Oh, no. Oh, no. I didn't put my phone on silent. Rough row. We're going to let that stop ringing. Safe house got bonked. It gives me an opportunity to rechat a little bit while I'm waiting for that. Hopefully that doesn't pick up on the recording too bad. Sites <laughs> chat channel goal. See if we can get him. Yeah, we already talked about that one. Honestly, in all the time I've known you, I figured you just never stopped talking. So when you told me you had a Twitch channel, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Absolutely right. Rebellion dead house. Okay. So my first reaction was, oh man, yeah. Safe house is in horny jail now. It definitely did get bonked. I wish I had um, I had set that up or had time, but this was, like I said, very much, oh man, this is big news. So 
I talked about it on the previous video, and the discussion has come up in Discord and other places about reducing a life total, and I specifically mentioned in the video that I did on Safe House that I did not like reducing the life total until I really thought about it, which is going to probably be a theme for all of this. Make sure you think about it. And the reason I say that is until I went back and played a number of other safe house variants and played a bunch of games with it on ladder, I didn't re necessarily realize that there were a ton of games that were very, very close that yes, you get blown out by safe house sometimes. And when we're talking aggro into safe house, the difference of three life matters. Asking people on the internet to think, yeah, there's a good... Well, you can ask. You can ask. All we can do is ask, Doc. Uh, the three-life difference, I think, is pretty significant. It may not sound like it, and we all have games where, oh yeah, I played Safe House and they ended the game north of 20, and they also had Short Stag, Iku, and Harpy 1 in play, or something like that. Look, those games happen. There are also games where Safe House is fighting tooth and nail and just can't quite get there. They're actually, and I mentioned this on a lot of Lost by 1 HP to control just today, I think. Yeah, there's there are a lot of matchups, a lot of games where it's going to be decided by those few life points. And remember, it's not necessarily the life points at the end of the game. Because, oh, well, they, they won when they were at 10. Those three life didn't matter. Here's the question. Were they at 10 and were making certain burn decisions because they were at 10 versus being at 7? Were they at certain making certain burn decisions or certain play decisions because they were at five instead of two? These are things where it's, oh, well, I'll survive a hit from a trapezist off the top to, no, I'm dead to a trapezist, so I need to jump through these other hoops. That seems like an edge case, but it, it comes up more often than you'd think. And the pressure that you can be under as the safe house player matters in those scenarios. Your entire strategy can be affected by having the option to go all in and try and rush them at the right time. You're absolutely right, Terminal Apathy, that one of the important skills in playing digital card games, especially even more so than other card games, just because of the way most digital card games, including Mythgard, function, is learning when to turn the corner and just put your foot on the gas. Even as a control deck, there are times where it's no. If you give them extra turns, and this is true in quote-unquote, traditional physical card games. But in digital card games, I think it is more paramount. That isn't really a, a fantastic sentence, but you get the point. It's more crucial to identify when you need to turn the corner and just get there. Control or aggro. And aggro, yes, you're going for the throat all the time, but there are trading decisions to be made. Or can I try and afford to, to waste a buff to clear this blocker versus, no, I need to advance the rest of the board, that sort of thing. So I think that this is, like I said, I didn't initially like the starting life way back when, but as I had thought about it over the last few weeks, since I initially, maybe months now that I've seen the idea, I like that change. I think it's valuable. I think it is the kind of iterative change that I would like to see in buffs and nerfs so that, you know, you're not throwing things completely out of whack. It gets people going in the sense that they know they have an idea of what the thought process is. If if this was completely reworked, which we'll get to in a second, or, you know, it suddenly gave you negative two life or something, you know, that's a drastic change. I think this is pretty significant and it's going to be important. Now, that's not the only change to Safe House. The other one is one that I 
had seen also, <clears throat> didn't really have an opinion on, in that I literally did not know exactly how this would play out. And then I did develop an opinion from playing Yellow Purple Safe House, and not in the way that you would think. Yellow Purple Safe House, because of a build popularized by Steph Dawnhart, was utilizing Slantstone, which specifically triggers based on, well, basically the same thing. You have to have fewer minions, and it's at sundown. And I realized in through playing that deck how enormously difficult it was to make everything happen the way you wanted, simply because... Even if you use a racer, even if you use a daring trapezist, or you use straight-up removal, by definition, you have to leave something alive in order to get the trigger. Well, if you're leaving something alive, there are still threats on the board that now can act. So that's, I mean, I would say problem number one, but like, that's the whole problem. So I think this is a supremely large nerf to this path. I will take a moment to, <laughs> I was going to say defend, but that's not the right way to put it. I, I take a moment to, I guess, bring up the concerns that people have had about Safe House in that I think most people wanted it to be put down like Old Yeller or something like that. Like People did not want, it, it, there's a lot of negativity surrounding Safe House. So I th- I would imagine there's a lot of people setting off fireworks and, you know, throwing a couple cold ones back or whatever way you want to celebrate. However, I would caution that. And the reason I say this is that originally when all these cards were designed, and this is me just from playing card games for a long time, all of these cards are designed with a certain meta in mind. And yes, things can change. Teams can make mistakes, whatever it happens to be. But when you start pulling the threads it's like a sweater. You know, you pull too many threads, the whole thing starts to come apart. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen here, but Safe House was a linchpin, a cornerstone of the format. The fact of the matter is that Safe House was everywhere, which was part of the reason why everybody complained. So if that's true, and now it's gone, that's a huge, huge power vacuum that suddenly is going to get filled by something else. We don't quite know what that is yet. It's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. It's easy to say, I don't want that thing, but what do you want? And that's where the job for the Rhinos gets very difficult. So I can appreciate going to this level. I think Safe House got kneecapped. Is it unplayable? I'll be honest, my first reaction was yes, but I don't know if that's actually true. It's... I'm honestly not clear on where this ends up because all of the advantages that Safe House had were all of these free things, which you still get a free flag, to be fair. But you're drawing free cards, which led to free burns, which to our earlier point means that some of your decisions are eased because you don't need to necessarily make as a difficult decision because you got free cards. And often in the aggro matchup safe house into aggro you were drawing a lot of cards where it's the acc deck despite emptying their hand may or may not because you could easily be playing a whole bunch of early game removal to contest their board but because of the way rush works because of the way blight works all those sort of things you weren't necessarily developing a board while still emptying your hand so you could refill they may not be able to that happens more often than you'd think so we'll have to see how this works 
I'm excited to see what the new world looks like, in all honesty. Like, because, and I should have said this at the beginning, but this patch, to me, and a reason for people to be excited, like, let's ignore if you hated Safe House for a second. Like, let's pretend that that's off to the side. The fact that there's a large patch or a patch at all, to me, is essentially like releasing a new set. If you release a new set, it changes everything, right? You have new decks, there are old ones that could be rejuvenated, you have new ones, you have all this stuff changing. That's essentially what a balanced patch here is doing, is you're going to be modifying the status quo in such a way that it's like having a new set. And I think everybody should be excited about that, which is kind of cool. Uh, Especially when a, you know, the premier deck of the format is suddenly, allegedly, going to go the way of the Dodo. We'll have to see. I'm okay with this for now. I think it might have gone a little far with this, but we'll have to see how it goes. So let's check chat real quick. Uh, Yeah, all the stuff at sundown. Checking, skimming real quick. Should also be noted that... That... Uh, it should also be noted that the sunrise sundown change also applies to the second block of text. Yes. So it's both the flag, and I didn't draw enough attention to that, but it's the flag when you get the flag, as well as when you're building energy. So two significant changes to this that are going to make a big deal. Although the pursuit still remains the same, so going second, you're still happy about getting that. I still think the mantle change would probably be enough. Uh I'm not sure which you're you're referring to, Atona, unless you mean the the one we're about to talk about. Uh, Safe House was also good with Serpent Den because your turn started with less. Now that doesn't appear not that because your turn started with less. Now that doesn't happen. Not a small change. Absolutely right, Midge. And to be honest, I really liked Serpent Den in Safe House lists. It, the anti-synergy seems obvious, but like you said, the timing of it as well as just a necessary evil in red-yellow safe house list makes it a thing. Imagine pretending not to hate safe house. I'll, honestly, I've been on record for saying I did not hate safe house. I still kind of don't. It's very hard for me to, to truly hate something in card games. I have very unique tastes, and you can ask any of my teammates in other games, uh, or, or my wife for that matter, about decks that I enjoy playing uh, compare and formats that I enjoy playing and ones that frustrate me. I have zero expertise at Safe House, only no aggro. Well, I mean, I'm sure you played into Safe House a lot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Safe House change, I, I I think this one had to be put at the top. Maybe paths and powers were going to always be at the top, but like Balance patch comes in. I guarantee a hundred percent of people were skimming it to see whether Safe House got hit. It makes sense throwing it out there. So shout out to the rhinos for that. Cough cough exception doesn't make the rule fair. Yodeler fair. I just assumed it was a norm. Yeah, kind of bones. I got you. Uh, so overall, we'll go with a thumbs up on this. I I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out. In the absence of safe house entirely, like let's assume that this completely removes safe house from the equation, which again, I'm not clear that it does. If we assume that it does, what's going to fill the void? We're going to have to see by the end of the patch, and that's not me copping out. Um, because 
I'm honestly not sure. A lot of things were always doing this dance around safe house, but if I had to make a prediction, I would say disc builds. I don't feel that the patch touched them in any meaningful way. So I think disc is in a very good spot to suddenly resume prominence. It, it, it and I mentioned this before, I feel like disc is the biggest slept on power, which, or it's, I guess the better way to put it is it's the worst kept secret in Mythgard that disc is really strong. Uh, I constantly see the, the high level champion players talking about it and defending it, but it often feels as though every other conversation revolves around safe house or ACC. So we'll have to see. Moving on from there, let's talk about the other path, sort of. And that's the Alliance Command Center. So only the mantle's getting modified, and it's going from a a cost of zero to a cost of one, which is relevant. You're no longer going to just be able to plop it on a minion on turn one to make your guy a three on the back end. Why does that matter? Aggro mirrors. It's supremely important in aggro mirrors because now your guy can't can be ignitioned, whereas pre- previously it could not. Yesterday, those racers are removing your turn one play, or not removing your turn one play. Now they are. You also cannot present two threats against control. You can't just play the carney in lane one and then the mantle in lane seven. These options are now out the window. It also matters because the card's going to be stuck in your hand for longer, which matters for the ACC power. You need to empty your hand. Well, you want to empty your hand, that is. It's not necessarily going to be the biggest deal. You could just play other stuff, and now this is, quote-unquote, just a buff. But these things add up over time. Now, if we scroll back up temporarily to the safe house thing, If you assume Safe House is the premier control deck and you nerfed Mantle, how do these relate? Well, it's one and a half Mantles. So was the thing you played Mantle on realistically getting through right away? Probably not. I think you still come out ahead in the nerf exchange here for the most part. There's an argument that, oh, well, your turn one dude not living ultimately means four to six damage, probably, over the course of the game. Or, well, I guess two to six damage, depending on how the game goes. So it's not quite all that great of a trade-off. I think this is fine. Uh, It definitely slows things down, quite obviously. I think the aggro mirrors are going to be less swingy, which is exciting for me. It's not... I've mentioned on stream a number of times, I pretty much always want to go second in every matchup with every path, which is very weird. Now, you could say shifting it to wanting to go first every time instead of second is not any better. I'm not clear that that's true here. I think there's still, you know, you don't feel terrible about going second, but it's not an overwhelming advantage in aggro mirrors or other matchups because you suddenly got a free body or a free buff. Ultimately, I think ACC is still the best aggro path. That's my initial thought. So it loses power. Is it going to close the gap? Like, I don't, I still don't want to play Journey as my aggro path. I'm still going to choose ACC over that, which I think is probably an argument in favor of this is a reasonable nerf because you could go farther and then it totally throws things out of whack or you're just modifying it so that things are more more in control 
to the player base that it's not these wide variance swings. And I think that's fine. All right. I saw out of the corner of my eye that there was an enormous amount of stuff going in chat. So let's see. Uh, let's see. I think having a powerful control deck is important and safe house serve that role well. I would agree. Well, maybe not necessarily having a powerful control deck because that the adjective powerful there is doing a lot of work in that it depends on what your definition of powerful is and how because there's a fine line between powerful and overpowering. And I think that's where the discussion ends up being. Uh, I, that's actually from earlier. I missed that one. Is strong but hard to play. Yep. I feel the same about Rainbow. The fact that there are games where you draw like 10 cards from your path is too bonkers for it to not be best. It's tough about Rainbow because the level of variance can be so high. But that's, I guess, a discussion for another day. Huge difference in Disc and Souls when going first and second. It's really weird. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Hale. And that's why... Um, like I said, those other paths aren't really the focus here, but they'll obviously come up. I I like the idea of drawing everything closer to first and second. It's not a wildly different gameplay experience. And I felt in relation to ACC that having the zero-cost mantle, like it, it, it was a huge difference to me. It, I could be wrong, and maybe the numbers don't bear that out from a win rate perspective and all that sort of stuff, but it felt like it was a huge change or a, a huge difference, and therefore this change, I think, is positive. Rip turn two, twin fire plus mantle. You're right, Yodeler. I mean, I guess technically, well, yeah, you'd probably play it on two to keep it alive for all the reasons you're talking about. You had it right in mono red, you need to empty your hand. Yep. I'm okay with an ACC nerf. Like, uh,. Okay, so Bones, we'll talk about that when we get to those. But I, as a avid, avid yellow-purple aggro player, I have a lot of thoughts on that. And ultimately, I'll explain why it's okay. Um, at the very least, uh, one-cost mantle makes my turn one more stable. True. <laughs> I kind of remember someone saying nerf all cards except red. I feel like it was the opposite. Everybody always calls for red nerfs, but... <laughs> There'll still be control decks, just won't always be... I assume you mean safe house there, Doctor, but yes. Let me reward that sentiment. It's important that there's a control deck that can keep pace with the meta. That is true. Yes, control decks should exist. That's absolutely true. I mean, I mostly play Triforce, which is why I'm concerned, though I'm not that good only... Oh, that, that's fair, Bones. We'll, and like I said, we'll elaborate on it. But ultimately, I think this is okay, given the other nerfs. So, when you put... If you assume that the safe house nerf is enormous... If, if we say that it is a gigantic nerf and safe house it takes a huge hit, nerfing Mantle is not that big a deal in that context simply because you're gaining more ground on the safe house nerf anyway. Uh, and I think that the Sunrise to Sundown really is going to have that level of impact. I haven't played with it, so I could be wildly wrong. We'll have to see. Um, I think this is fair. I think that while I'm going to miss it, like, don't get me wrong. I've mentioned on many occasions, I love playing with powerful cards. It's more fun to play something that's awesome. Like, Yodler mentioned earlier, playing this on a Twin Fire Zealot and thwacking somebody for 20 just felt awesome. But, you know what it is. It, it, sometimes, it everybody loves those plays, but I can tell you what it feels like on the other side, because it's happened to me too. It doesn't feel fantastic, and I'm sure everybody out there can agree. So, that's the tightrope that the devs have to walk is making things super awesome. Like it, it's awesome to do this, 
but not make it a colossal kick in the wiener when it happens to you. Like you have to feel cool, but and powerful, but not necessarily actually be powerful. And that can be done, but it's a delicate balance. So I love playing strong cards, but it's important to be objective. Exactly, Rena. Yeah, it, as much as I will, like I'll gripe about the changes because I want certain things, like because it's my favorite card or my favorite deck. Everybody does that. But if you take a step back, and I always encourage everybody to do that, take a step back and be like, okay, I'm not the only person playing this game. Like, we we need to be realistic about it. There's other ways to have fun, and that's the thing about both the changes and Mythgard as a whole, is that the fact that the toys we have went away, allegedly, they may not even have gone away, but let's say they went away. There's still, like, an entire mountain of toys! Like, there's all these other cards! I'm sure there's more fun to be had, so we'll go through it. Uh, and there's more balanced fun to be had. <laughs> Believe me, I love me some toys. I'm not going to turn the camera, but I mentioned before, like, my collection, I was actually taking pictures uh, before the stream, before the news went up of uh, Scorpion. Uh, it was the 2020 convention exclusive from Storm Collectibles, and it, it comes with, a, like, an actual chain for his spear. Like, it's really cool. But anyway... Digression about Mortal Kombat. We, we could be there all day. ACC nerf absolutely affects both my main decks, and I advocated for it. Yeah, I... I do have to consciously try and take a step back when it comes to ACC, because I do feel that aggro... And I mentioned this before, aggro is often, since I've been playing, has often been in the weaker position compared to control slash mid-range slash even combo, if you consider horn and decks like that combo. However, that isn't necessarily true because obviously I don't have all the data that the devs do. They know, you know, they, they can see a lot more, you know, I have Sauron, although that makes it sound bad. Uh, eye in the sky, it's a UAV. I don't know. We'll, we'll find a metaphor at some point. But point is they can see more than I can. And it feels as though ACC was mostly okay, but I'm also not going to, you know, I'm not going to lose sleep over this getting nerfed. I mean, aggro does well on ladder and it's still bad. Yeah, you can do well on ladder and not do well in tournaments. So it's always important to contextualize what the discussion is about. So uh, we'll move on from Mantle. I guess bottom line for it is I, I'm okay with this. I don't think it's a problem. So uh, with aggro, I got from bronze to gold in one day. That there are other probable factors in that Yodeler, not to knock your success in any way. Don't take it that way. But let's be real. If somebody's in bronze, they probably just started the game. They're learning their collection. isn't So a coherent aggro deck should just smash them. Like when good players play good decks, aggro is bad. But that's not ladder. I think aggro can compete with the good decks depending on the context. But your, your options, outs, and strategies are clearly more limited. So I would generally agree with you, Logic, but not entirely. Mana cost nerf to stag is a bit perplexing. I would agree, Herbert, but we're, we'll, we're getting there. <laughs> That's fair, Yodeler, but it's... Uh, <laughs> I hear you. ACC feels like it's solidly the second best path. I think that was... I think a lot of people would disagree with me, but I always felt that way. It's just the fact of the matter is that 
you have to jump through certain hoops, as Logic was alluding to, in order to make aggro function the way you needed it to, depending on the setting. Uh, ACC just gives you a lot of stuff and gives you cards for free for advancing your game plan in the way you want to. Safe House and ACC were the best paths. See, I would say that Logic, like I was just alluding to, I mean, I literally just said it, but I think a lot of people would contest me and say, like, Disc might be better, or, um, I mean, maybe not Rainbow, but, you know. I th- I think there are other factors. I don't think it's just the cards, Logic, that would, that buffed or pushed Safe House beyond ACC in power level. I think it's also just simply the play pattern. Excuse me. I think that the play pattern of how Safe House works and how it, it provided you benefits was better than the way that ACC provided benefits to an aggro deck, which seems weird. They're both doing the thing they want, but it interacts with the base level like resources for the game in a different way. Um, or at least that's my opinion. I explained it in the, the Safe House video at least somewhat, but we can come back to it. I want to jump into the power change in bolster in this one i'll be honest scares me a little bit uh maybe not now maybe not right now but it scares me a bit long term and here's why when i first saw bolster way back when one of my yeah exactly it stacks you're absolutely right rini and that's the thing so way back when when i first saw bolster i said someone is going to build a combo deck with and this was with zero cost ramen to just essentially buff up a Daring Trapezist or a Wings or any insert Rush minion roughly 6 billion times and then just annihilate you in one shot. Now, the question is, can you do this? Don't worry, Bolster is not good. Well, yeah, it didn't, it didn't end up turning out that way. It was just a long-term thing. I agree. Bolster's not spectacular. It it most often showed up with the high variance new journey that we were mentioning earlier. The question is now, yeah, can you do this without losing? Because obviously you want to, ideally you'd want to stack it up a bunch of times. Everybody has that going through their head. But are you realistically going to do that? Or are you going to end up sinking, you know, one activation into each minion each time? One of the thoughts that came up offline and was mentioned to me, and it made, you know, I'm curious how this plays with disc, because it's another power that you can use without, you know, it's not a protect, it's not an infuse, it's just something you do. And, okay, you you build up whatever it is whenever you're ready, especially later in the game, if you're flipping it, flipping the disc, that is, activating this, and then suddenly your short stag's a 13-13 or something. I mean, I don't know if this is actually going to work. Personally, I really like Foresight already. Smite has already had a lot of success in Disc. Uh, but it was an interesting thought that was presented to me. Bolser Mimir will be interesting. That was a thought I had before this change, like way back. And now, obviously, it has... I, I guess it's a little more serious, but yeah. Mimir is a myth to frighten children. It's meme-ear. Meme-ear. Emphasis on the meme, but true. <laughs> I don't know. I think this is this is cool. It scares me a little, like I said, because there's this is one of those things that will lurk. 
and the reason I say that is just from playing a lot of card games. There are certain cards and certain effects that you see sometimes. It's like, I don't know how that works. And then all of a sudden, four sets from now, we go, oh, uh-oh. And I feel like Bolster is one of those things. I don't know that you can do like one minion dot deck and then just churn through your deck and bolster 50 million times and kill somebody. Like, that's not going to happen. Or at least I don't think it will. But uh, at least not right now. Is there going to be the, the 50,000 ramen thing or Mimir or something to bolster a rush minion into the stratosphere? I feel like that's still asking a lot. So ultimately, it may be fine. I'm glad that it got buffed because as chat was pointing out, it's just not a thing right now. Journey was the only place I've seen it. So okay, Ramon will just get nerfed again before this can combo. I wouldn't be opposed to that. <laughs> just leave the Ramen in the pot longer until it gets buffed because of low play. <laughs> and also bolster disc is an actual thing now. I mean I it's a thought. I don't disagree with you, Logic. It, it's a thought. I would be very curious. I don't know if I personally can figure it out in the next two weeks, other than just, all right, here's my disc deck. I'll swap the power and see how it goes. Uh, I don't know, you know, like red green disc would clearly benefit from it more because you have those rush minions, that sort of thing. Coliseum bolster. I mean, if it helps out Coliseum, I'd be happy for that because Coliseum obviously is not one of the more popular paths right now. I don't know that that's where you want it. I still feel like Coliseum wants probably Infuse or something anyway, assuming you're playing it. But I'll be honest, I haven't seen a Coliseum deck outside of early Rebel experimentation in a while. For anybody on the YouTube video that's confused, obviously I'm pulling a lot of comments from chat, like I mentioned earlier, but... So yeah, final thing. I I like I'm it scares me a little bit, but that's just me, and I'm probably chicken littling. I think this is fine. Like if if I take myself out of the situation, this is probably fine. Uh and since Bolster wasn't getting a whole lot of play before, at least as far as I know. Alright, buff it a little bit. Let's see how see what it does. Blue green bolster Mimir disc necro. Does it need it? Blue green necro? OTK racers and blasting hero beat while doing so. I mean, that is the thing is, is OTK racers or, or traps. I don't know if that's a thing, but maybe a man of culture. <laughs> All right, let's, let's move on to another card. We're actually getting into the cards now. So we talked about the paths and powers. Let's talk about the cards. Uh, Auto magic artillery. So, I'm going to try and get this out of the way. The big brain play is to get a stack of bolsters, play Berserker, Ganger, then Racer, then concede when you realize you messed up. Womp, wah. <laughs> Enormous sad trombone. <laughs> I'm, I'm confident if I had that scenario, I would do that logic. Like, 100%. I'd bet money on it. Um... So automatic artillery. I'm gonna preface all of the uh the changes, and I guess I did earlier for the past. I was pretty much okay with the meta as was, and I know that I am in the minority with that opinion. I did not 
realistically have a problem with really any of the cards. It just was a matter, and I've said this on many occasions, what do the devs want the game to look like? Does the game end as a result of this card on this turn, and that's the baseline, and then everything else revolves around it? Okay, that's fine. Just, you know, what are those cards? And we've seen a lot of those. So when I look at stuff like the change to auto magic artillery, it's... I get it. This is a card, and I 100% agree, high win rate, higher than normal, feels bad. The latter part is probably the big thing. The two armor makes it exceptionally difficult to deal with. Like, enormously difficult. So, I get it. I don't know... This is the first time that I recall seeing win rates stated for the cards. I mean, I know it's come up before, but I think it was before my time for other balance changes so i don't know if the goal is cards should be at 50 percent win rate or what the target here is point being is that the contacts for the 55.6 win rate at least in my brain does not exist so i don't i do appreciate that it's here so don't get me wrong i just don't quite know how to interpret this so changing this like i said I wasn't I didn't personally have a problem with auto magic artillery. It certainly ended the game very quickly most of the time when I saw it. And that I felt was okay for what it did and how it functioned within the previous metas. The fact that it's getting changed now is still fine. 6 mana for a quote unquote 7 health thing and especially the fact that the armor's getting reduced as opposed to reducing the health is important because now it's much easier to take down. It's not it's seven effective health, not nine or eleven or you know whatever because it's it's yanking two damage off whatever the other options to deal with it are. So if this was a problem, I agree with this change. And when I say if this was a problem, again, it's couched in the idea that I didn't personally have an issue with it. Because we mentioned in our secondary post for the cards, we did not nerf it felt pertinent to add them here. Gotcha. I wonder if they're trying to be like Runeterra where they say anything above 55% warrants observation and a close nerf. I like how they're giving win, win rate percentage. I hope they give some guidelines going forward. Rune, you are reading my mind. Maybe not about the Runeterra part, because I don't know about that. But uh, the rest of it is something that I've mentioned on many occasions, is that ultimately card games, and this is going to get a little esoteric a little bit. Um, for me, card games are all about what are the rules that the, the devs set out. And it's not necessarily the rule book when I say that. In fact, it's explicitly not the rule book, because the rule book is the rules. But the meta rules are this nebulous amorphous constantly shifting set of rules that the devs are and this is not a rhino thing this is just in general they, they like tease you with it it's like oh well here's this cool card wonder what you guys can do with it i wonder how this is going to react obviously they know how it's going to interact and how the meta is going to shape up so it's the player base trying to unravel this mystery however when you're talking about competitive constructed player or competitive draft player whatever there are certain baselines that need to be set forth and i think even if they aren't explicitly set forth although i personally and rune saying it as well would prefer that it was yes 
the game generally should end by turn X. You should be expected that this is what a six mana minion is worth. This is what a two mana minion is worth. This is how much damage you'll get out of a five mana spell. That sort of thing. And then, yes, you'll have cards that break that rule where they're more powerful, less powerful, or do something wacky that totally upends it. But it it's a good signpost for the player base to understand how the, you're supposed to play a game, which sounds weird because, it, again, it's not literally the rules of the game. It's learning how to play the meta for the game. And this is true outside of card games as well. Even you look at first-person shooters, you look at third-person shooters, you look at real-time strategy games, you look at turn-based strategy games. There's There are rules in the designers and the developers' heads for what is acceptable and what is not. And then the player base is trying to, to work those things out. And then, obviously, you know, sometimes break the boundaries a little bit within reason. So that's why I, I know I digressed a lot, but I think Rune's comment is very important that as we get the guidelines, whether it's the win rate, it's, and I know I, again, went off on a tangent about mana costs and stats and things like that, but I think it's important to set some sort of guidelines as to what the community should expect when things, quote unquote, go on the watch list. Now, one other point I'll add is it's very dangerous for the devs to do that because I guarantee the second they do that, nine billion people will show up in Discord screaming the sky is falling because, oh, well, what about this other card that clearly meets this criteria and you haven't done anything about it? Okay, we got to cut them a break. There are other reasons and factors. Every This goes back to the beginning where everybody's just got to, you know, except sometimes that they're it's either a work in progress or there are other reasons and give people the benefit of the doubt so anyway i like the feels bad justification i mean it's a legitimate thing and we've had this discussion many times on stream if a card and it's a difficult thing to define a card feeling bad because one person it's going to be fine one person it's not and how do you way which one's more important there are egregious examples in every game i played where it's like no look that thing's gotta go we all know that that's a problem get it out of here well and by everyone knows you know of course the vast majority sort of thing even people that may like it can accept that okay this is a bad experience so i accept that argument and i think it is valid i'm glad you called attention to it doctor because I think people might see this and misunderstand. It's like, oh, they're just changing things on a whim because people don't like it. No, there, there's a legitimate time where this is, quote-unquote, unreasonable, even if it's not necessarily tearing up the highest champion ladder. That sort of thing. Imagine being so memey that you get a bunch of people, they get the win rate of one bad card to the threshold to nerf it. That would be funny... That that level of conspiracy, I think we don't have to worry about. <laughs> but it would be funny, Yodler. It would be funny. But that actually reinforces the feels bad argument. I know this is going to sound like a bizarre segue, but if the idea is that feels bad is a is again an amorphous, unknown, undefinable thing, it's like a, a Cthulhu style monster. It's an unknowable thing. You have to also accept that. Just because it's a high win rate or it's a high meta share or it's a whatever, 
Those are reasons to look at a card and potentially address it, but not necessarily address it. And it's there are things that you have to couch with that. You may not be wrong, Herbert. <laughs> you may not be wrong. Nerfs the sub 50% win rate cards because they stop all over lower ranks. Yeah, they're, that I is another discussion about what do you balance around the highest level skill play or around lower level skill play. I would disagree with, we'll say, other games and how they address it where at a certain point, I, I'm not, and I'm not the person to ask because I have not been a new card game player for a very, very long time. I'm a new, newer, I guess, Mythgard player, but it's still been several months now. So I would not be the person to ask whether a new player or someone starting out at low ranks is getting so frustrated because they can't figure out what to do versus their collection's short. They assume that's the problem. Oh, well, they just had better cards. Again, it's kind of a collection thing or their deck is incoherent and there are other issues compared to that particular card is frustrating, but... Like I said, did thing that I'm not necessarily someone to ask about. Oh, that's interesting, Rune. I wasn't aware that that, that was the reason. We got to it in a few hours. It's only three cards away, but I feel like Short Stag is being punished for crimes committed by Safe House and Disc. I mean, yeah, those were the decks that were playing it, so of course. <laughs> like, yes. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. We'll get the I we this may be I may go over time. This is gonna be a long one. Uh so next one up, Bobby Yaga's Den. I actually don't have much to say about this one. Uh the Rhino said that it's one of the highest win rate green cards enough that a nerf is probably warranted. I always felt Bobby Yaga's Den felt and I used felt too many times in that sentence. That was weird. You ever say stuff like that and you're like, wait a minute, that that's weird. I do that a lot, especially while streaming. But anyway, Baba Yaga's Den always seemed to me very pushed. The stats are enormous on this thing comparatively. So I'm I'm fine with this thing getting nerfed. Uh, does it need to be more? I'm not sure. I think if you went to four, it would be super problematic. Like the card, I, I don't know that it would be unplayable, but it would probably be close. I think making it five is reasonable. Offhand, I can't really think of any particular. Um, I can't think of any particular break point. Like, yeah, five is worse than six, but it's not necessarily. Um, it, like, it's not the break point between two and three. You know what I mean? Two and three is more important because you have ignitions, you have racers, etc. Going to five to six, like, I don't know that you're dodging much extra removal. There's like that red spell that deals five that nobody's playing. So, all right, you got me. You can kill Baba Yaga's dead now. Um, Random Mythic 3 drop that's better than alternatives. Well, I think that's a valid reason. Logic is because it is better than all the alternatives, and I think it still is better than all the alternatives, so you're still going to run it. Um, it's notable because, well, a number of reasons, but one of them is aggro, we mentioned on many occasions, feels like it needs help. This is one way to help it. Is it going to help it enormously? Probably not, 
but I think it's still pretty good. I it, this is a nerf that if it didn't happen, is anybody going to complain? I don't think so. Now that it happened, is anybody going to complain? I don't think so. Which means that there's an argument that the the change is useful uh, because it will impact matchup like there'll be games that you should have won with Baba Yaga's Den that you won't now because it'll die but I think it's fine 5 makes it closer to a 2 for 1 for Mono Red at 6 it's really closer to a 3 for 1 true does Seafire do 5 now I assuming that's the card yes I would definitely complain if it didn't happen it's just low on the priority list fair Fair. I mean, there there are a number of other cards, the ones that we see on here and other ones that weren't mentioned that uh, I could see being higher on people's priority list. It's also probably being punished for the crimes of Disc and Safe House. Well, again, yeah, those are the decks that were playing it. Now I get it with, with Racer and Commit. Nice noises. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I, I'm fine with this. As I, I mentioned, I always felt Bobby Yaga's Dem was pushed, so bringing it in line. And I think there's a general consensus that a lot of people would like to see the power level on, and this kind of goes to Logic's comment earlier, a lot of Mythgard cards that just bring the power level down, um, especially on Mythics. So, step one. Well, step whatever. So we'll move on from Bobby Yaga's down. I don't know if there's much else to say about that. There's probably a lot to say about Brimebound Believer. So, we are... It's going from two red to... Two red or two and a red gem to two and two red gems. It's also changing its empower to from plus two plus two to plus two plus one. Now, notably, the win rate here is only fifty one point nine. We saw a fifty six percent win rate on Bobby Yaga's Den, for example. So, this is significantly closer to fifty fifty. Um, it's pointing that part out. So, here's the statement from the Rhinos. The discard effect is feels bad enough that this card could stand to be a bit weaker despite the win rate not being especially high. People also pointed out that the play rate of this card forces players to include counters at a higher rate than desirable. This was probably the most complained about card from our survey. So we're going to go in reverse order because the last part, 100% believable. I would never doubt that. It's, uh, I'm confident believer, I obviously did not play Mythgard the entirety of its history, but I would venture to say Believer was probably the most complained about card in the entire history of Mythgard. It was a lot of the comments. Yeah, I would imagine, Rini. I would imagine. Uh, I did go through some of them initially because we could see the comments uh, after the survey, completing the survey, but I didn't go through all of them and didn't go back later. Um, But yeah, I could see this being Logic saying it's close. Yeah, the double red is an interesting change, and we'll we'll get to that. But again, while this is a very tenuous thing, it's very difficult to say, oh, well, everybody doesn't like it, so we'll change it. Because, you know, card gamers, we tend to overreact and hyperbolize. A little bit. Won't be keen, y'all. Uh, but if there is this much of an outcry, I can I can defend it. <laughs> Fair logic and error, but I, I, I can see that. Um, so, the next comment I actually don't agree with. I think it's perfectly fine to force people to have to include things. And I mentioned on many occasions, 
<laughs> Lies card gamers are perfectly rational. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Just a sharp intake of breath. Okay. <laughs> uh, but people also pointed out that that the play rate of this card forces players to include counters at a higher rate than desirable. My personal feeling is, okay, play those cards. And then, as I said, we should take a step back, try and, you know, not, don't, like, give in to the initial personal reaction. My, my, I guess, more objective reaction is, okay, play those cards. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I really didn't think that it was that big of a deal for that reason. Now, changing it as a whole, nerfing it, is a different discussion. Like, if you want to talk about, does this need a nerf because it's too powerful? Okay. I don't think that the... I just don't find it compelling that, okay, I have to run answers to this thing. Like, you have to run answers to everything. Or not everything, but you have to pick and choose your answers. Like, I I have difficulty getting behind that argument in this context, but we'll put that aside. We've, we've gone down the believer path many, many occasions, and obviously a lot of people were adamant about it. And again, okay, I'll just adapt. <laughs> so the discard effect is feels bad enough that this card could stand to be a bit weaker. I'm mentioned many times before, I still think the discard should not be random. I don't think that there should be random discard in card games anymore. We're in the year of our Lord 2021. We're getting free Believer rant time. Yeah, you don't even have to spend channel points this time. I did actually put that on the channel points, right? I might have taken it off. I did have a channel point thing for like 50,000 points to uh, to do a Believer rant. But anyway... I'm still of the opinion that the, the discard, even now, should not be random. Well, I, I get what they're saying, though, Logic. So, discard feels bad, don't change the discard. The argument here is that they feel that the discard element as random, and I, I'll defend it for a mo- in, a, in a moment, even though I disagree with it. I'll, I'll defend the Logic. That these other nerfs are sufficient to bring it in line, despite the, the discard feeling bad because now it's okay well i can deal with it easier so i don't necessarily have to worry about the discard which we'll also talk about in a moment the defense of the random discard is clearly if your opponent chooses it's way weaker way weaker your opponent's clearly going to discard the worst card in their hand i i don't think i really need to explain that further i think everybody gets that if you choose it is unbelievably powerful like, that would be way too good on this. I mean, most cards with that, it, it's really strong. This is the middle ground. Now, I think digitally there are other options. You can have things like looky style effects. Like, the card doesn't literally have to be discarded. It could just be nerfed in-game. You know, you add to the cost. You change an effect. You you suppress the card somehow. Like, if it, if it was choose a random minion, I'm not saying it should be on this, but, like, choose a random minion from your opponent's hand, that card is suppressed. That would also be super strong for different reasons, but you get the point. There are other things you can do in a digital medium that you can't do in a physical card game. So I don't like the idea, and like I said, you can defend a random because it's in between those two extremes. 
I don't like that argument because I think there are other options, even if it's just completely reworking the discard to not actually be discard. Okay, I'll... So, one of the other... Sorry, I saw the comment. I I was reading it so I could uh, digest it before... So I specifically mentioned Scylla, and yes, Believer was nerfed in opposition to Scylla. However, Scylla itself is a myth- mythic, which automatically means it needs to be stronger, uh, was the feedback I was given. Believer nerf should help, but we'll see how it goes. I don't, and I put this in the survey, I think Scylla should have been, instead of nerfing it by making, and I know this is getting away from Believer somewhat, but instead of nerfing it so that it works the way the text is written, I think the text should have been rewritten to work the way it originally did at release. I think Scylla costs seven. I think it should be that powerful. Unless, going back to our earlier discussion, or earlier comments, that maybe seven, like, that's not a power level acceptable at seven. And as we're seeing in some of these changes, that may not be true. Maybe that card needs to cost more, it needs to, it needs to lose some other effects, whatever. Um, I think hitting Believer is way more defensible in any realm than hitting Scylla, regardless. And the reason for that is not just it being a Mythic, which is also true, but it also costs 7 and this costs 2. There's comments that come up periodically, both from the devs and other people in Discord. Uh, Generally, I'm talking about Discord because that's where everybody primarily congregates. That having low cost or quote like a quote-unquote aggressive mythic is generally bad and i agree because of the high variance of well some games i just blow people out and some games i don't and that's an argument against believer in general because yes it's a rare you get more copies etc but it can show up so early in the game that you just straight up didn't have time to prepare for it by the time Scylla shows up the big boys are coming to play the battle cruisers are online major things are happening in the game and that's why i'm personally okay with cards having super high power levels there when you pack it into something that's cheaper like believer the argument is a little different because again you just haven't seen as many cards you haven't truly played a game yet on turn two and i think that's reasonable this is a big patch so if we go way too hard it'll be way difficult to judge what is actually the issue but I'll be the first one to mention Scylla again. It's a huge issue. That's fair. I mean, if it turns out that Scylla's a problem, like I said before, definitely change it. I just personally think Scylla's okay, but it also goes back to all of these things that we've been talking about, that the devs have way more data. I'm going to defer to their expertise because realistically, like I said, they have more information. They have their vision for the game in mind, and they also hear more from the players than I would. Except Scylla shoots your battlecruiser down while it's still docked? Maybe. Now it's going to be different because you're also not drawing a gazillion cards. Or maybe not as many cards because of some of the other nerfs. But in most of the... Most of the time when I've seen Scylla hit the board, the other player has four to five cards in hand. So yes, they could hit a random, a, a random good thing. And that's awful because, yeah, I've won and lost games on that where Scylla randomly hits the Murmur. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not even just Icker Feast. It was obviously Old Safe House. You know, if your opponent got pushed into doing things, uh, it was Revelation gets played a fair amount. Um, there's a number of card draw things. But yeah, Icker Feast is kind of a, a thing. So 
I, that's part of the reason I was fine. If the new world is control decks are now going to be very much strained for resources and Scylla is, you're always looking at their entire hand or, you know, always nabbing the one thing they have left. Okay, I get it. I personally would petition for something like, again, avoiding the random discard, remove the cost off of Scylla, just eat a card from their hand. Or change, do one of the more creative options. Um, yes, they're never going to discard that Murmur, but then maybe that justifies keeping Scylla at a lower cost or reworking it in some way. I don't know. We're digressing a little bit. So I want to talk about the, the Empower. Like I said, we're working our way up until we get to the two gems. The Empower is very relevant, and it seems like it wouldn't be. But now your racer plus erode, your ignition plus erode, kill this thing after it empowers. I would be very surprised to see this thing get empowered in a lot of matchups now, especially in light of the mantle nerf. So the mantle nerf means that you can't just plop a racer on two and make it a 3-3 and then make it a 5-5. Empower on also hurts trade. So yeah, there's a number of things that now can trade into it successfully that wouldn't before. So, um, well, an Axeman isn't a great example, but, you know, arbitrary three power thing can now get it that couldn't before. Uh, I'm primarily concerned about the things that you can do out of hand because that's how you want to answer it. Trapezist. Racer, Ignition, etc. If it's empowered, now it still dies to Crucible Flare. Now, granted, I'm only really naming two colors, red and purple, but eliminating a buffed-up Believer is way, way easier now. It did if you had a flag. It, it You're right, Midge. If you had a flag, it would. But if you did not, you're still in trouble because otherwise a racer and a road is just three and it's a 4-4. Four, four. And then by that point, it's going to transform and erase all the work that you did. So I'm okay with it. You can also clap it with Fragile. Yep. Like all of those, and this is one of those pillars, cornerstones, linchpins, whatever you want to whatever term you want to use for how we interpret what the the rhinos want the game to be two is very relevant so beating three oh you mean ignition and racer oh okay i got you yeah i'm but that's a two for one which is essentially so we'll get back to the other the cornerstone thought coming back to the three health the reason that or investing two cards rather and now you don't have to because the three health is it's not significantly different if you had to invest two cards versus them transforming and randomly getting it, and then you kill it with something else. There's a little bit of damage difference. There's a little bit of time difference. But ultimately, they got a two-for-one that was random. Now they get a two-for-one that you choose. Now it's not a two-for-one. It's a one-for-one. And that's the big thing, because now that ignition or that racer gets aimed at Mono Red's Carney or the you know, whatever other X1 they played on the board, because there's a million of them. And that's very important. Which, again, brings it back to two being the important thing, because a lot of the removal deals too, so now erode and any of the other buffs, like we are talking about, giving things fragile from other cards, 
matters a lot more. It's a lot more important because now you're you're just one for wanting this thing instead of investing a whole bunch of resources and your whole turn to kill it. Now you still will probably invest your whole turn or road plus ignition, but you're still holding that racer or other card. I think it changes a lot. So this is a pretty big deal, I think. Is it going to satisfy people? I'm not even going to guess on that. Now, the change for this is very interesting. Uh, the change on the gems. Mono red aggro clearly just goes, uh, okay. Okay. Fragile with ice spike. Yep. Uh, mono red clearly doesn't care. I don't, you know, stating the obvious here. But when you're talking about splashing it into other things so a lot of like if you were read anything you were playing believer pretty much unless you were doctor traffic because he he doesn't believe in the believer i don't know if it's that significant overall playing it on turn so a lot of decks like say you were safe house and you happen to have believer in your deck you were probably burning red for the first three turns if you could help it anyway so that on turn three you could anchor feast so now you just play turn two believer i think the biggest one that gets hit is green red where it's gonna you know you screw up your sequencing but you might have wanted to burn red on one to play an ignition to deal with an aggro threat anyway if you're playing it on turn five it's taking up your whole turn because you were planning on buffing it but it does prevent non-aggro players, well, non-mono-red aggro players, from just randomly running out of Believer and removing your thing. So it it is, I mean, it's obviously a nerf. I'm not clear on how significant it's going to be. Top 20, no Believer, true. <laughs> it would have been top 10 with Believer, though. Shots fired. Going to switch to mobile lay down. All right, fair, Yodel. Um... I mean, I don't get me wrong. This matters. It's a nerf. It matters. I don't know how many situations offhand that I was playing Red X and Believer will now not be able to be played. I think the bigger thing is going to be playing it late in the game and being unable to... So burning three red is not unreasonable... Burning four red is going to be is harder depending on what stage of the game, so it eliminates some other double red cards. The only one that's coming to mind offhand is Crucible Flare, which does matter, but I don't know how much it matters. When red blue rainbow was okay, you could coin believer on one. I did that a number of times, actually. I I did it to Tempest several games in a row. Some of them I lost, some of them I won because he was playing that uh, green blue rainbow thing. Um, and he was able to, I forget how he dealt with the coined out believer, but I couldn't empower it in time, obviously. So he was able to remove it with something. Um, but yeah, I, if that play is gone, which I'm perfectly fine with, I don't think coining it out is really something that, okay, like who cares about losing that play? <laughs> but yeah, I, overall I'm fine with the believer changes. I think it was valuable to change it. I don't disagree with the idea of changing it. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with the idea of leaving it alone either. But this is fine. The, the main change I would like to see is the discard change. But that seems to be important to the card. 
because obviously it would have been done already. So I think this is going to significantly lower the power level. It's also going to teach a lot of people about the empower, aka don't do it. And we'll see. Needing two red gems actually kind of big. I mean, it could be. I don't, and this is honestly, like, I'm not disagreeing with you, Mitch. Uh, I honestly cannot think of scenarios where, like, I need the other red on the same turn other than the play believer plus removal play, which is clearly going to be awkward. And I, I don't think it significantly in a negative way impacts the burning decisions early in the game unless, you know, variants sort of hand where, oh, I need to keep all these things, but I can't unless I play Believer. Before you could burn one red, now you got to burn two. So we'll we'll see. I Is Believer going to go away? No. Is this a good change? Yeah, I think it is. I, I'm hoping that it will satisfy people, although, you know, like we said, card gamers and internet, I don't think anyone's ever satisfied, but hopefully it'll alleviate some of the problems it's at least less consistently problematic and it makes people not play things like egg doper etc on one and mono red rule law <laughs> yeah it, it i agree with you Rini. It, i i think this is positive i think this is positive is where i go with it which i think i've said about pretty much everything i've either been indifferent or it's been a positive change i i think all right so the one that doctor was Monored rules already. Speaking of Doctor, uh, this is the one he was all up in arms about because when he's not playing Mono Red, he's playing Disc of a ton of varieties. So short Stag. It is no longer 7 cost, it's 8 cost. It has a 54% win rate. 54.2 precisely. Uh, relatively high win rate. We also want to spread out mana cost a bit on the higher end. So that last part is again very interesting. Not to rehash the whole thing, it's important to find out where the devs stand on how, what things should cost. Now, I don't think that I'm fine with the change. I almost never hard cast it. Yeah, it's... Are these played or deck contains win rate? I'm not sure, Jinxie. That's a good question. I don't agree with chat that this is never hardcast. I hardcast short stag a lot. However, I don't know that it going from 7 to 8 really makes a difference. And the reason I say that is burning to 8, you're probably going to want to, you know, ideally you stop at 6, and then when you draw your good 7 cost card, you burn, you play it. Now you have to stop at 7, essentially, so you can draw stag and burn to it. So it matters. I mean, clearly... Again, this is a nerf. Don't get me wrong. These things are important. But does it matter for Necro? No. No. Obviously, you're reanimating it. Does it matter for Yellow-Green Safe House? Well, they just took a, a pretty significant kick in the shins. So, yeah, it probably matters. And the same for Red-Green Safe House and Green-X Safe House. Um, I think it is going to matter. It's still very valuable. I think you still play it. But getting to eight, it it's only one burn. But when you're talking that late in the game, that's eight cards you burned. I know I'm stating the obvious, but I think it deserves reinforcing the amount of investment in order to play this card. So 
it can be a struggle, especially, and this calls back to the believer Scylla discussion, where if now you're waiting an extra turn, it could be two extra turns. It could be three extra turns because you're either drawing things that you have to play because you're trying to stay alive, you're drawing burned cards, or it's just not appropriate to play it. It is going to matter. And I think it's pretty significant. What does this nerf achieve when the card is cheated out turn three or four? I think people underestimate how often A, Necro is played at all. Like, there's there's a lot of other decks that are played, and I, at least as far as I see, and again, my sample size is smaller. B, I think people significantly overestimate how often that this gets cheated out with Necro. Like, we're talking an exceptionally small number of games. Short Stag isn't even really the Necro target of choice most of the time. Um, Like, if you have the option between discarding Short Stag and something else on turn one, or whenever you first discard the disc, I don't think you're discarding Short Stag very often. Uh, It's often the other card. So, there's that. It also, there, there's a lot of, to go back to point one, Chag, Chag, Stag, shows up in a lot of other decks. Like, any green X control deck was running Stag. You're still going to, I think, but it matters there, like I said. Yeah, I played a lot of disc, it gets hard cast often, absolutely. You're absolutely right, Ragnar. Lots of our power cards lock in at seven mana, so we need to get that slot to be less congested and also realize some of our cards are overpowered at seven mana. I agree, Rini, and that is kind of the response that I'd expect. I Seven has always stood out as, and that's why I was mentioning earlier, you stop burning at six because until you hit your, your seven mana power spike, like hold on to the other cards and then you just play your seven drops as you draw them. You're obviously not playing two of them in one turn, so there's no need to like... Unless you're FOC, I guess. So you're not burning forever. Uh, and I can appreciate the... On the dev side, giving themselves breathing room for these things. Uh, there is an argument to continue to stuff the 7-drop slot so that people are forced to make a change because you can't just run a gazillion 7-drops. But that means that anything that costs more than that is going to probably be quote-unquote bad so i can i can get behind that defense or explanation of the change it makes a lot of sense when i hard cast it it's rarely on curve right but is is it on curve as in turn seven doctor or is it on curve as in you just hit seven resources because those are two different things and i agree i this needed a nerf more than iku i would say Discard Murmur. <laughs> yeah, double speak into Murmur. Well, you don't have to worry about double speaking uh, not now being nerfed against Short Stag. I mean, not that it ever would have, but, you know. Silly memes aside, I, I kind of like this change. I mean, I really like Short Stag, but this is another one that goes in the category of yeah, this makes sense, and I don't really have a complaint about it. Yeah, Zith one, you haven't been keeping up. Well, you didn't you didn't miss it by that much. It was about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> it was when the balance patch came out. Iku was always better than short. I don't I've never agreed with that. We've had that discussion before. 
I don't think Eco is even very good. Um, like in the grand scheme of things, it's it's clearly, and it's hard to say that just because Eco is you know top of class for the options, but in no way is Eco better than Short Stag. Like I don't see any world in which that's true. <laughs> But we digress. Uh, so short stag, thumbs up. I can get behind this. So here's where we start getting, we still have a lot of cards to go through. Here's where we start getting into things that hit closer, near and dear to my heart. Doper is far and away my favorite card. It always has been. And it has nothing to do with the power level. It has everything to do with what he says when you play him. And when rant time, was I not ranting before, Doctor? <laughs> uh, it, Doper... It, it he's my favorite card because he what he says when he comes out and what he says when you do stuff. That was a warm up. Okay, so I we'll read the we'll read the stuff and then come back to it. win rate fifty two point nine. One of the most complained about cards. High steamroll factor at low cost is generally a bad idea. We don't really want to completely change the ability set, but lowering its survivability will hopefully make it a bit easier to answer in the early game. I can't disagree with any of this. I really can't. It's 100% true. It is... I could certainly see... I don't know about the complaints. I often don't... Like, I don't remember Doper being complained about that much, but there's often cards that are seemingly more egregious, so they probably just drowned it out. I'm sure the, the Doper complaints were theirs. I don't doubt that. The high steamroll factor... 100% true. There were games where it's just like, oh, you chose to not deal with my Doper. You're dead. And I could tell you that on like turn two sort of thing. 100% true. And being at low cost is absolutely true for the same reasons that we were talking about Believer earlier and other cards that you haven't played a game yet. Like you just haven't played a game yet. So it's completely fair to say that if it's super snowball-y that it's not worth having something at that at a low cost. Quite simple. We don't really want to completely change the ability set, but lowering its survivability will hopefully make it a bit easier to answer. So, the problem here is, I don't know that this card is now unplayable. But I don't know that... I'm trying to, and I keep sighing because I'm not sure how to phrase this. It's difficult to gauge because of where yellow-based aggro was power level-wise and what it had access to, that a nerf of this magnitude appears to just set this card on fire. However, I don't know that that's true. It becomes a 3-1 uh, instead of a 2-2 on turn 2. Yes, and that's the solace in this, is that it's still better, as in it has a... a higher front end than other one drops other one drops are going to be two ones primarily is this on the level of carney rioter because carney rioter is effectively a three attack minion i guess now this also has to be contextualized with the acc nerf so I expect that this is humongous. My initial thought offline was that yellow-purple aggro is just dead based on this and the other changes. 
I don't know that that's necessarily true. Like, I'm coming back to it. As in, I'm circling back to the idea that maybe we're okay and I was just overreacting. Now, all of this is independent of whether this needed to be changed. I think all of these defenses are, or all of these arguments in favor of nerfing it are accurate. Under these circumstances, I would say, yeah, nerf this card. There was an argument also that I've seen a number of people present in Discord as well as even in chat earlier that now Mono Red Aggro is the only aggro deck. I don't know if that's true for you know what we're going through right now. I, I can't say whether Doper and the other changes kills Yellow Purple, kills Yellow Red, kills whatever. It's possible it does. However, in the grand scheme, if Mono Red is the only aggro deck, that's probably fine. And by probably fine, I mean it is. Having a single... And this is, again, a general card gaming thing. If there was one control deck, one mid-range slash combo deck, or both, and then one aggro deck, that is still a reasonable and healthy meta. People may not necessarily like that because they always have their pet cards and pet decks, but that isn't necessarily bad. Most card games, if you have above five tier one decks, that is like wildly unstable, meaning that people haven't figured things out or there's something wrong. And it's not necessarily the most healthy thing because if you have these widespread builds, you can't actually prepare for anything. Going And we're talking about tournaments or even casual play. If we sit down and my deck deals with minions, but you're playing a minionless deck because that's somehow viable, we don't interact in any meaningful capacity. And therefore, if that's one of 50 different viable decks, there will be tons of matchups where I just sit down or you sit down and nobody plays a game. Should we refresh? All right. Thank you, Rini. Yep, we got it. We didn't get there yet. I was planning on doing that when we got there, but I didn't realize it was on screen, but thank you. Um... There were probably five viable control decks in this meta. Because of Safe House, yeah, I could see. Um, yeah, Bolster's pretty cool now, Zithuan. We were talking about that earlier. I don't know. I don't know if Doper slash yellow or yellow-based aggro is dead. I honestly don't know. Like I said, Doper is quote unquote better than all the other turn one X1 options. I mean, it's better in general because of the abilities. It can do a bunch of things. But this goes back to it's it's never going to get out of removal range, realistically. The only way it's going to is with help, which sounds... Again, if I take myself out of it, as the I'm not the yellow-purple ACC player right now. That sounds fine. Why should a one-drop be outside of removal range without help at any point in time? Like, that seems wild. Oh, no, I saw your comment earlier, Yodeler. I'll, I'll read it now. I was going to bring it back up. Uh, this is a change I don't like. Now you don't have the option to choose which buff you use unless you want to let it die for no reason outside of memes before conceding. Realistically, I don't think you ever... And when I... Okay, I'll rephrase that. In the vast, overwhelming majority of games, you never had a choice as to what you were choosing. You were always giving it the plus oh, plus one. You were You were pretty much never giving it the plus two minus one the only time you do that is a desperation effort at a trade 
because and I punished a lot of people for doing this it's just going to get racered it's just going to get ignitioned it's just going to get removed it'll even get blighted into oblivion whereas if you buff the back end you could still buff it again with the attack say a corrode equipment and still push damage you were, it, it was a false choice it, it, it's not it, yeah you're right Zithwan plus health was nearly always the correct choice It it's not the strictly correct choice as in you 100% of situations it's better than doing the plus attack there are some edge cases but the vast majority of the scenarios are buff the health so overall I think this makes sense I don't like it because I want to play purple aggro, but let's talk about like the game. Is this healthy for the game? Yeah, probably. With the caveat that I want to see how aggro, since it's quote unquote now all mono red, even if it may not turn out to be that way, is that is aggro still okay? I think even in the context, at least my initial thought, even in the context of the safe house nerfs, I think that uh yellow purple aggro is still a major underdog into safe house given these changes and there are more to go through plus one might not occur if you have a grit recruiter on the board even then usually because to be honest then you you know you just survive more things but point taken doctor they like i said there are other scenarios where it would justify it but if you're playing this thing on one which is i think where people are focusing that's what most people are looking at you're buffing the the back end which sacrificing doper with pursuit journey trigger soul i believe so i mean something died so it should yeah the juiced we're getting to it so uh next one is the one that was changed uh, or, or was suggested by Rini to refresh the page because the the updated image. Another card that people were up in arms about for a while, and one that I'm on record as saying I was perfectly fine with it at seven. I still kind of feel like I am. However, I am also in support of changing it to eight. And I know that sounds contradictory, but I'm going to play both sides because I can. It's my stream, and I do what I want. Uh, Grand Finale is going from 7 and 2 red gems to 8 and 2 red gems. A 58.2 win rate. People asked us at 10, which I wasn't aware of. Uh, but the win rate suggests a more conservative approach is better. Generally, we want to avoid completely invalidating decks when possible. I had no idea people were saying 10. I mentioned it before just as hyperbole. Um, you know, just saying, well, what if we just made all the good cards 10? All the, the big high-end things like this. Stag, Seven Ring Ritual, Horn, etc. Um, I get that this thing gets an enormous amount of value for the cost, but I don't think that it's a trivial set of hoops to jump through to play this card. Um, I don't agree, Doc, that it's a grand finale to 12. Um, really, 9 or 10 mana. I mean, I would... 8 is reasonable, 9 I could... Defend 10 seems ridiculous, but um, I don't think Grand Finale is a backup plan now. It's at 11 with Mind Freak now. That does matter. 
I don't think grand finale is a backup plan. It again goes like the short stag discussion. It's going to be more difficult, but the value is still there. It's still very, very strong. It's still generating enormous amounts of value. Like this goes in the category, like I said, of if this is the way the game is supposed to be, quote unquote, where you play a finale and likely you're winning two turns later. Now you're winning on turn 10 instead of turn 9. I think that change is both relevant, significant, and worthwhile for a number of reasons. So I can get behind this. Like I said, I was fine with it at 7 because that's the way the game was working. As it was pointed out earlier, there was a glut of 7 cost power cards. So you hit turn 7, all right, big things are happening. So this going to 8 helps differentiate those things. It's reasonable to move this one. It's probably reasonable to move other ones too, but I I think I'm fine with this. 58.2% win rate, 70 plus percent win rate when played on curve. I'd be curious what the win rate is played on curve. However, I we've all like even people that that hate on finale, we've all beaten finales that have been played. And not bad finales. Obviously those when I say bad finale, I'm like, oh, it gets one thing. Because you just pressured so much. But I've won control mirrors through finale, through seven ring ritual, through it all in the same game, plus them hard casting things. Like it can be done. And it did not There's clearly variance involved for me finding the appropriate answers. There's also variance involved for them hitting all of those things. So the the confluence of all of those events are going to be rare. I just I don't know. Just draw good. I mean, that's always the answer, right, Yodeler? Just just draw better. The only times I beat is when my opponent misplays. It The only time that Finale, for me, felt super crushing is if it was red-green. All the other ones... It, in those control mirrors where I'm stating that I wanted, it's because you, you misanthropia, obviously. And then be, by virtue of being yellow, you already have life gain. So while a a uh, Risen from the Deep plus Gorgonelli plus whatever is threatening, you have ways to mitigate it. Or you jump through some hoops and you terminal calculus them. Or you Seal of Exile. Or you insert whatever. I mean, maybe a lot of people that have been playing Finale against me have been misplaying it. That's entirely possible. The, a lot of people will be drawn to super powerful cards, you know, because they're super powerful. Um, is this going to make that much of a difference? I think it will in all those scenarios. In Red Green Mirrors, the only decent answer is Giganto Machia. Absolutely. And I think that's where the cost, even though going from 7 to 8 is only 1, matters significantly. Like, for all the reasons we talked about with Short Stag, it's not necessarily just one draw different to get the burn. It can be. And for a card of Grand Finale's power level, it may just be. So it's it's tough, but I think it will significantly make a difference because you're, it's giving the other player on potentially many more turns to be able to find the Giganto Magia or whatever.
Yeah, and red, green, mirror, Zealand. Oh, yeah, we saw that. And that's not hard to beat, yeah. I'm not sure which you mean who plays what first, the Giganto Machia or the, uh, the grand finale. I'm assuming the finale, Ragnar, but the... In a lot of these, it's. I found it to be the opposite. I don't. I'm not as confident saying that with grand finale, but, I uh, a lot of these power cards, you know, the seven rings, the the grand finales, just playing cards in safe house mirror in general. Whoever plays it second, I found has generally been better off. It depends on how much pressure you can put on and whether they have the answer immediately sort of thing. The Centrifuge plus Serpent plus Stretcher deck. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> Red-green finale can pull 22 worth of mana. RP finale only 15. I think past a certain point, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like... Once you get over a certain threshold, it's like, all right, I've, I've pulled an enormous amount of stuff. So if you feel that that is sufficient, you know, like, if if RP finale is sufficient, then it doesn't matter that how much more red-green pulls. It pulls more, and the, the, the first step was bad enough, so who cares about the other? <laughs> all right, Doc, that's fair. Um... Like I said before, I was fine with Finale at 7. I was having fun with the game. I liked where... like I was enjoying how things were going. With it going to 8, I don't think it's going to change my enjoyment of the game in any meaningful way. I think this Finale is still going to be a fun card to play. It's still going to be around. Uh, it may end up getting further nerfs based on what people were saying. We'll see. Alright, so next one up is Juiced. Another one near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's it's getting an extra gem. It's going from one purple to two purple. It has a nearly 60% win rate of 58.7. Purple combinations, not mono purple, are exhibiting higher than desirable win rates. Juiced is a fun card that shows off Mythgard's combat mechanics, but a slight nerf is definitely warranted. So, while this is obviously a nerf, I don't know how much it materially changes the yellow-purple aggro deck ignoring the other changes um on three you can st you can still play a guy on one a guy on two on three play a different one drop and now you play this it's just that the one drop has to be yellow now it can't be purple uh so it clearly constricts the amount of options you'd rather juice most of the yellow one drops than anyway so but sometimes you had to run a purple one out there just because the way your hand worked out. So this is going to change. There's a lot of scenarios where you're not going to get those explosive hands or you're not going to get a triple juiced because it's worth playing the double juiced on two things. Makes it harder to racer and juiced? Absolutely. That scenario does come up. It doesn't come up a whole lot. Um, often it will... You know, the, the racer's fine on its own, but yes, yeah, sometimes three will matter, or, you know, four or five with a um, a mantle, which also is going to cost more. Only be here for the juiced review. I'll drop my thoughts on the other cards. Spitfire doesn't change anything. Egg, oof. Now that that's mean to OG broken aggro stuff, stretcher, oof for Kazinga plays. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, you can catch it on YouTube when I get this up later, Yodeler, or I guess on the, the VOD. 
The yellow one drops both got nerfed, though. Yes, you're right, Rognard. Now, the like we were saying earlier about Doper, is it dead? I don't know. The the yellow based aggro clearly took a hit. I like they finally nerfed uh, maybe for the exact reason. BB, oh, Brightbound Believer. I mean, I think everybody was on board with just to run back to Believer real quick. Everybody knew the reasons for nerfing believers just whether it was appropriate or not and you know there are very few believer defenders but anyway <laughs> now no more believer time we're talking about juice uh in the in the vacuum this is fine i think this is, would have a pretty significant impact on yellow purple aggro uh because the the turn three blowout play is really where you you get a huge power spike as yellow purple aggro that play is going to be very difficult to set up now it's just out of your hands essentially um the deck becomes way more purple based which almost pushed and due to the yellow nerfs maybe it's worth looking at a different color now like uh whether it's orange purple and just heavy purple which is tough because you want to be orange for rebels or you shift into red-purple, but then juice doesn't have as much value because a lot of your minions are only one health. You can jump through some hoops to make that not a thing, but, you know, it's an issue. I would almost argue that this and maybe one of the other nerfs would be sufficient to really tackle the aggro problem, but I'm open to seeing how it goes. Juice nerf makes me sad. I wanted to experiment more with it. Uh, I don't know that juiced... I'd almost rather they change the stats a little bit. Like, the movement is cool. But the stats are important. I'm not sure. Maybe this is the only change they had to do, or, or could do. I think juice was a problem overall like the the quantity of games where it's just decided on turn three oh you juiced all right well i lose because i have to hit like runner 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 exactly what i need and it, it's supported by all the arguments they had about doper about believer all the other early game cards except juice is a common so you can have four of them so you're gonna see it i get it i th- i i would have been okay with this clearly there's another purple-based aggro deck or, or something else that was, or maybe not purple-based aggro, but there's another aggro deck that was waiting in the wings that they felt would have been a problem with all of this stuff happening. So I think Juice needed to be touched. I just like my yellow-purple aggro. Uh, I slightly disagree that one viable aggro deck can still be a good meta with the ability of so many greed decks. Well, Ray, Ray, if you're talking about my earlier part, it's in the context of where the example given was that there would be uh, if we only had three decks, like one control deck, one aggro deck, one whatever. Um, obviously, if we're talking there's 50 control decks and only a single aggro deck, it's harder to defend, but that also could be potentially healthy. I mean, 50 is, you know, whatever. Yeah, juice needs effect change, not gem cost. That's where I would have gone with it. Um... Juice is just such a potentially powerful card that I don't know that this should exist at all. 
to be honest. Like, if they nerf this into Oblivion, I'd almost feel better about it than this. Uh, to where it's like, it's just completely reworked, or, you know, the effects are wildly changed. I'm not sure. It feels weird to leave Juice in this state where it's like, ah, it's kind of there, kind of not. We're clearly going to get more aggressive options as time goes on. And if it becomes mostly mono purple, I don't know, is mono purple the, the new mono red? I don't know. Uh, it was really strong. Extra gems on low cost card makes it harder to get out. You're absolutely right, Jinxie. No one, I don't think anybody can contest that this is going to be more challenging to play. It's going to decrease the sheer number of blowout plays. A hundred percent. In conjunction with the other nerfs, I don't like the juice nerf simply because um, I just think yellow-purple aggro got kneecapped. But again, this is me lamenting one of my favorite decks getting beat up. So it may be fine or it's just going to shift and we have to just give it a chance to percolate, give us a chance to test everything. But Mythgard doesn't just have one of each, probably. You're right, Ray Ray. It, it was just in the example. I don't think that... It's tough. Like, I I honestly don't believe if you have more than five decks, and that's just... It is an arbitrary number, but it's probably lower than most people would say at Tier 1 that that's healthy, to be perfectly honest. Uh, it's possible to do that if this proves inefficient, but we have to be mindful about translation keeping the integrity of the card. Absolutely, Rini, and that's something that I didn't call out earlier, that translation and other factors do play into some of these things. Um, so I appreciate you bringing that up. When you're burning a four, two gems will be much harder to play. Sort of. Yep, egg roll rip, I'll find another deck. At the beginning of this, when before I saw everything... Obviously, I, I knew something was going to happen to it. Like, let's be real. Something was going to happen to the either the yellow early game, juiced, some combination thereof. ACs, excuse me. But with the nerf to safe house, I'm like, all right, if it gets hit with a couple nerfs, we're okay. It takes a pretty significant hit here, and I'm curious how it's going to play out. Um, I guess that's it. I paused for a second because I was trying to think if there's anything else to say, but... It, realistically i really do need to just play with yellow purple aggro now and see how it does because i have no idea what it's going to look like um so the next one up is sister spitfire who's getting a, a few different changes here it's it she's losing a toughness and or a health whatever uh and it's now going from a four cost minion that gets agile to a three cost it has a nearly a 60 percent win rate 59.9. That, that's pretty close. Uh, aggro purple strategies in combination with other colors are clearly a bit strong. We also considered adding a gem, but its inclusion as a token for Xerxian Insurrectionist makes double gem cost undesirable. I don't know how much I I would personally care about the, the last part, but I agree definitely with the, the first part. Um, I lost a lot of games to random orange-purple rebels because it's just... They just go face, and in conjunction with other cards, I forget the one cost name that gives Agile to the things next to it, you have an enormous amount of Agile that potentially all comes out of hand that your opponent can't really prepare for, and as a result, you're doing a lot. I don't care about losing one health, that seems irrelevant. 
I don't know that reducing the cost here matters either. I'm very curious why. So the, I kind of disagree with Chad. I don't quite understand these nerfs. I understand the logic behind nerfing it in general. That makes sense. I don't understand these particular things because I'm not sure what four cost is in these decks that is no longer going to get agile. It takes Kara out of the equation? I mean, I haven't seen blue-purple aggro tearing it up, but maybe that's something that I missed. Maybe people are playing this all offline and doing it. It There are definitely four costs that get hit, obviously. Like all the nerfs, I'm stating the obvious, it's a nerf. There are things that worked before that won't work now. But I honestly can't think of a single card out of any of the aggro decks that I played that this no longer can target. I tore it up with blue-purple Valkyries once. <laughs> it, I mean, it's possible. The card's still good. The aggro decks just don't play four drops. I mean, that's kind of the thing, Yodel. Spitfire was commonly being used with Scion Sanctum Guard to push early lethal and orange-purple mid-rangey decks earlier than we like. See, that make, makes a lot of sense, Noah. I appreciate you volunteering, because I, when I'm thinking aggro-purple, I'm thinking yellow-purple. I'm thinking the aggressive rebel decks that... I mean, they'll burn beyond stuff, but... Their five drops in the even the more controlling rebel ones or four drops, you know, it didn't matter. If you're talking about something else, then yes. Superfire nerf is not because of what it's doing in aggro. Like aggro is good and it's in aggro, but it's not doing unreasonable aggro stuff in aggro. Gotcha. It's doing unreasonable aggro stuff in mid-range. That that's acceptable. I haven't seen those lists that much um i know madoka for example was playing orange purple on ladder earlier i didn't watch and by earlier i mean the last couple of days i haven't watched those games all that closely or looked at the list so i probably just missed what was going on there <laughs> thanks for having my back i'm pointing out he was wrong <laughs> it's more just i didn't grok what the uh the scenario was here it makes sense in that context um oh that's something else so it given that if we're targeting specifically those decks sure as stated if it's not if it's doing reasonable things in aggro or doing reasonable aggro things in aggro this doesn't change anything so uh Moving on, the stretcher. So, a lot of people mentioned it before. Kozinga now one-shots this thing. It has a slightly too high win rate given the passive nature of this card. Outside of Kozinga, the decks that this beats still can't interact with this. Because you're going to play it and then protect it. Like the, the Ice Wall decks are just not... You know, you play it into green-yellow safe house, assuming that's still a thing. They just don't pressure it enough, so I'm not sure. I don't know how much this matters. Outside of Kozinga, I don't know the other breakpoints, like how reasonable it is to, to try and get at this thing. This is another, like, I'm sure there's data to point it in this direction. I just don't know what it is, because the only time I've seen Stretcher, and it actually did anything, is out of the Ice Wall decks. And that was only in specific matchups. 
And like I said, those matchups still can't touch this thing. <laughs> Good luck with that, Noah. That's going to be a rough evening then. <laughs> now I could go for some tacos. I think I'm going to put that on the list for dinner tomorrow. But uh, yeah, Stretcher's fine. I like the card, actually, in general. It's just, I get where it's... It would be super frustrating for people, so nerfing it in general, whatever. All right, Yodeler, have a good night. Take it easy. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, so, th last but not least, Thunderbird Egg. Um, this is going from 2 energy to 3 energy before it hatches. 52.7% win rate. Another card that received a large number of complaints. Again, low-cost cards that demand an answer are problematic and best avoided. In this case, there was some debate over whether or not moving it to 3 energy would make it unplayable, and whether or not the better course would be to lower the stats on Thunderbird Ascendant. In the end, we decided to lean more into the flavor of the card as it is. I, My initial inclination is that the, the dev statement is correct, that moving it to 3 energy is making it unplayable. I am open to being incorrect. However, I, I've i said it before on stream that I don't think Egg is really playable outside of turn one. Like I pretty much always burn it unless it's a hand of like, I don't have a choice, I have to play the Egg, or it's the only way, it, I guess this is a, re, a way of restating, it. I have to play it. It's the only yellow card in my hand, so on turn two, like turn one, we go egg. Turn two, we go egg, purple, one drop. Because that's just the way the hand worked out. In hatching a turn later, I think it it's just never going to hatch against, I don't know, anything. I think aggro can now fight it, because now you could actually, going second, play something and run into it. Uh, so if you Venom Fang... It's a two. You punch and blight. It goes to one. I think it still hatches. We're also open to being incorrect, but Burb being nerfed feels like it's not a big impact, which is kind of how Egg should be. Well, I, I'm not disagreeing with uh, the team, Rini. I don't want to pitch it that way. I And I probably overstated it. This is another one that falls in the, the category of, okay, all the, the arguments make sense. This card should not be snowballing. But right now, it does not feel like the reward for investing this, given the ease of removal, is worth it. Maybe it still is. I don't think I'm... Maybe I switch back to Magpire Commando as the other yellow one drop. Piercing isn't as relevant... Then the hatch, if it ever happens. I think hitting the stats would have been better. Like, given that that is the other mentioned one, it's easy for me to say, well, I don't like this one. I like that one more. But we'll have to see. I feel like it's just by the time it hatches, even if it does, it's almost irrelevant at that stage. Like, the game has arguably been decided. I'm not sure. I'd like to believe that this does not turn this egg into an omelet, but maybe it does. Now you're fine just saying it's a challenge. Absolutely. I kind of wish it had death rattle instead. It's honestly, I like the hatch mechanic more than a demise. 
I honestly do. Don't get me wrong. I love things with demise effects. I think they're really cool. And I still have a respawn deck that I keep tinkering with. Uh, and it's just never come together. Um, but I like the idea of it hatching in this fashion. And I get that it's super snowbally. I think I would have been okay if it kept the same stats and only hit the minion in front of it as opposed to hitting face or only hit face and didn't hit the minion in front of it or something like that. Uh, I think this is just going to be too slow, but I'm willing to be wrong. Any card that uh, must have a meaning answer early should be tinkered with. I'm curious as to what these changes will do to my decks. I somewhat agree, Ray Ray. I somewhat agree. Like, I get it. I don't know if this was must answer. Like, I've won plenty of games where Egg is hatched. I've lost plenty of games where Egg has hatched. Like, it, in its old form, yeah, it was really strong. But there were a number of other things going on in the meta at the time. I think this is... I don't know. Of all of the nerfs, I mean, Doper hits most closest to my heart because it's my favorite card. But I think this one I disagree with the most. But I can defend the changes. And at the end of the day, if yellow-purple aggro or yellow-based aggro dies off, okay, we'll live. Yeah, Demise is just fun, but I think it's more true to an egg to hatch over time. Right, right. Hell, I'd be okay with two health, even if that means... It died to a fart. That was actually something I talked with people offline. I don't. I would not want it to be two for all the same reasons that I don't like the doper and other things at two health because you're just gonna die. And especially with the egg, the fact that it did nothing like doper. Okay, well if it got him one hit, at least it got in a hit. This thing will just die even if your opponent waits. If it were two health. You know, like, it gives them way more options, which clearly lowers the playability. The issue with Transform is the auto-heal. Yeah, I mean, I like the auto-heal on Transform. I think there needs to be another keyword that is Transform, but don't heal, don't remove status effects or whatever. Like, it's Transform, but you don't get all the extra benefits. Uh, and then that can be applied to things. So I think it's valid to have this and then just have the granularity between the effects. All these trouble cards only need nerfs because transform heals them up. You're probably right, Rainy. If you crack the egg, is it kill? I, I, I'm not an ornithologist. I'm not a birdologist. <laughs> um, but I would assume that's true. <laughs> Although this is a thunderbird egg, so maybe the uh, the biology is a little different. But yeah, cool tech. I, I kind of agree with you that the transform is making this, and that's why I kind of wish that it was, because if you had that granular step, you could put transform on the higher end cards and be like, all right, well, you're paying more for them. You get extra benefits. Whatever this middle transform is, you put it on Thunderbird Egg, you put it on Believer, you put it on whatever's early game so that it isn't as crushing. It's you know, oh, I transform and I get cool stuff. Maybe it offsets some of the things because you get stat buffs, but it doesn't completely negate what's happening. But yeah, that's been a discussion that's come up in the past in relation to all these things. 
I remember suggesting adding a non-heal transform months ago when people were first complaining about Believer and Egg. Yeah, a lot of these discussions are going, I don't want to say in circles, but they are coming back to certain things. And that brings up a point as I kind of like do the general summation thing is that I definitely saw people throw out in Discord, oh, well, this was the change that I suggested a while ago. I'm not saying you, Zithwan, um, but just in general, it's like, oh, well, the rhinos finally listen. It's like, I know it might feel good to say, see, I told you so. However, let's be real. They both saw and heard the, the suggestions before. There, there's just no way to miss them. They come up all the time. I, I, I trust that the devs are listening to everything. I really do. Additionally, there are reasons beyond what most of us that would consider ourselves competitive players consider most of the time when it goes into making these changes. Some of them are game-related, some of them are not. Additionally, the changes may not necessarily be appropriate given the context of a number of different things, and it takes the iterative approach to truly get there. Uh, changing, Making some of these changes a few months ago without having some of the other iterative changes to other cards and these ones may have produced something worse. So, like I said, I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody, but I think it's important to not just jump to the I told you so meme because, yes, that will happen sometimes. Everybody's human. The devs are human. Maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they made a lot of mistakes. I don't know. But it doesn't necessarily mean that a mistake was 100% made. It could be very much intentional, and there's a reason behind what appears to be madness or reasons and often they're very valid so i know that sounds you know very rah-rah defensive sort of thing but i'm just putting it out there because whenever these big change sort of things come down the pipe you know people are (laughs) we've said it many times before card gamers are hyperbolic it's the reality of the situation so and it's the internet yeah, for any given card, there are only a limited number of nerf vectors that make sense. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the number is much larger than that statement may make it sound, Zithuan. But it's all of the nerfs have to be contextualized because as soon as you, it's like playing Jenga to some extent, and it's not necessarily the best metaphor, but or simile in this case, but you could easily remove parts or change parts and then the whole thing collapses. So you have to be very delicate. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here. So, you know, general comments, making all these changes. It's something that you have to digest. I outlined all of my thoughts in detail (laughs) for the most part for all of these. And I would say overall, I think that I like this patch. I think this is, a beneficial patch. I think it's addressing a number of the community concerns. Is it addressing all of them? No. You'll never address all the community concerns because obviously if you change something, someone else didn't want to change or wanted to change differently. That That's the way it works. So I think that they did a pretty good job. I think that it, there's a lot to figure out here. I'm not... My initial thoughts are Mono Red gets a big boost. Like, a mono-red aggro gets an enormous boost. 
I think Disc is arguably the deck to beat. Now, I think its matchup against Mono Red is probably very bad, so that leaves room for a third deck that munches Mono Red but loses to Disc to exist. I'm not real clear on where that's going to go yet. Rainbow doesn't seem to be impacted by all of this and, in fact, may technically get hurt simply because uh, if it was supposed to beat Safe House, then Safe House going away is bad. However, I don't know what its matchup against Disc is like, in all honesty, like at all. I have no idea. I The games that I played on either side of it just seemed really weird in that, you know, I'll randomly blow them out with a horn. Or I'm able to somehow with disc eliminate all their threats and they're never able to find a horn. Those sort of things. where It just felt very variance-laden that those were not indicative of the matchup overall. So if Rainbow is good into disc, as in it's favored, then it might be looking pretty good right now. Do I think finale decks are going to disappear? No, I still think those are going to be there. I don't know what their path is going to be because Safe House is taking a notable hit. Maybe Safe House now is only yellow X because you need to make up for the life loss. But I think the card draw loss is way bigger, like we outlined earlier. I'm trying to think what other decks are premier that are going to be impacted by this. I'm curious as to why so many nerfs came to egg roll in one patch instead of one or two cards at a time. I have two thoughts about that, or two trains of thought about that, Ray Ray. One is, they saw the writing on the wall for certain things. You know, the nerfs to safe house, then if you don't address yellow-purple aggro, then it's probably going to run amok. So, I get it. I would have also preferred and this is the other train of thought, that I would have preferred that it was more iterative and only a couple things were changed so we could see where it stands, but maybe it just would have been absolutely overwhelming. And I think that's probably the reason. So after all that, I guess I'll ask the question. Uh, All right, let me find your question. Do you think the nerfs to slow cards offset the nerf to ACC and result in a net positive for aggro? Not like yellow, purple, red, but other stuff. Uh, Well, right now, we would have to see what the the other aggro decks are. So if we assume yellow-purple aggro is dead, which again, may not be true, but let's assume it is, mono-red specifically gets gets a a, uh, a boost. The only other real aggro decks that I saw doing well consistently were rebel-based aggro decks. They get hurt by the mantle change, but now there's a big opening for them. And I think they might become the quote-unquote chunky aggro deck because you could run Juiced in it, you already have Storied Martyr, and then you can push your threats out of range, potentially, of removal. That being said, those are the only two cards, really, that are doing that. I think aggro does get a boost, but it's going to be contingent on... Is there another aggro deck? Like, if we're talking in the aggregate, is there another aggro deck outside of Mono Red that's going to fill the void left, excuse me, by yellow purple aggro? Because I think that one got pared down in unison. Again, pending the sunrise sundown thing. That that is just so big, I can't understate 
how enormous I think that change is going to be. I have to see this in action to to really grok what's the this is going to do to the matchups. So hopefully that answers your question, Bones. Um, I talked about all that stuff in great depth last week. Nerfing safe house and not nerfing aggro, specifically nerfing ACC, would not have left the game in a good state at all. Yes, Noah did bring that up in Discord previously. I uh, went out of my way to get feedback this past week and wanted to make a big adjustment because we have multiple things that are problematic and complained about. I had more cards I was looking at that too, so the explanation post uh, has more of that data-wise. Okay. Oh, Rini, are you saying there's going to be another post explaining this, or are you I'm a little confused by that last part? I'll be honest, I didn't pay much attention to stuff before I joined, which was like nine-ish days ago. Oh, <laughs> that would explain it, Bones. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, totally get that. Was just curious as why the focus on yellow purple so exclusively. Yellow purple is the least healthy aggro design and led to the most uninteractive aggro matchups. Yeah, I can back Rhino or uh, no Rhino Noah. I don't know why I was trying to separate that up on that. The the way the matchups between yellow purple aggro and any other aggro went were super dumb. Um, it it was just silly. It's linked in the Twitter post, the top of this post in the article. Okay. So you're talking about here. You mean the part we just skipped over? <laughs> that would be why. <laughs> My bad. This is collated to the game mode and ladder tier for rank game. So I'll... There's a lot of data. Maybe not a lot of data, but it's a significant amount of data. I'm trying to skim it to see if we can... For that, we want to delve into the cards that we mentioned in the survey that we're not planning on touching at this time for you. And to that, briefly go over methodology. Win Primary metric is win-loss record for every card in played decks. That is collated by game mode and ladder tier. For the purposes of analysis, we primarily looked at mithril and ranked at above-ranked games. We also examined stats for all ranks and game modes to sanity check. Okay. Number of times a card is included in a particular deck isn't measured. Generated cards, aka tokens, don't count. Whether or not a card is played during the game is also not considered. This is an attempt to account for the fact that there are many cards that are primarily played situationally. In doing so, we assume that players in higher tier rankings will intelligently curate their decks over time. Okay, so that answers a question from earlier this no tonight. I like this patch. I think the game will be healthier for it. I'm optimistic about this patch. I really am. I do like it overall. No need to go over each. Yeah, I wasn't planning to, Rini. I just want to take a peek at it. We can have it up on screen. Hopefully this is legible, by the way, since I, you know, it's fine when I'm looking at it, but I don't know if it is for everybody. Furthermore, we only consider data for which we have enough samples and correlate win rate against the overall win rate for the color as well as other cards in that color. Finally, it's worth noting that we don't only consider win rate. Very important and good to hear. We also consider the overall character of the card, whether or not it tends to bog down the game, how unfun it is to play against, etc., Okay, so what about the cards that people brought up in the survey that we decided not to alter this round? Here they are. Okay. Interesting. So, Bald Mountain, Insta Beast. I'm calling out the ones that say watch list. I would recommend anybody out there in chat, or if you're seeing this on YouTube later, take a look at the Mythgard official site, mythgardgame.com. Check out this blog post. There's a lot of data here. I, I can't reasonably go through this. Nobody will, nobody wants to hear my voice at all, let alone now. And this is going to be 
<laughs> even more so. This is very interesting. I'm going to have to look at this later. It's clear? Okay, good. It's posted on Twitter, Reddit, and Steam as well in the Discord announcements. Awesome. Thank you, Rini. So wherever your social media of choice, it looks like you can track that data down. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm checking the other chat comments. Uh, I know this is very exciting content. Bull Mountain Wind Rave reminds of Mossum played wings on it. Get double seven rings, double finale. That sounds dirty. <laughs> Me not playing believers skewing the numbers. <laughs> I told everyone for a long time that no individual experience is indicative of the game overall. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah, overall thoughts, I like this patch. I think it's going to be positive going forward. Now, that's couched again in... I know there were a lot of people that were unhappy with the state of the game at various points, various cards, like we've been going over, as outlined in uh, the blog post. I was still having a lot of fun before. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun after this balance change. There's a lot to dive into, and there's not a whole lot of time before the Open, which was something that I said at the top we were going to talk about, and then I never actually got to. So somebody way back, like 76 days ago, had said that they were surprised or weren't happy or whatever, they were commenting on it being so close to the open. And I mentioned this, I think, literally yesterday on stream, that I think if a change, a pre-open balance patch was going to happen, it needed to happen today slash tomorrow, which is what's happening. So I think it's fine. I think for me personally, I'm going to have some real life stuff that's going to interfere with testing, but I think it's valuable. There's a decent amount of time to test. This one's... It's a lot. It's a lot. And it, it's verging on this is too close for me. But I'm not sure. I think given the heavy-handed nature of some of these changes, it's actually beneficial because it's going to cut down on things to try. Or you could find out things very quickly. All right, take it easy, Bones. Have a good night. You too, Ray Ray. It's... Uh, would I have liked to have seen more time? Absolutely. Is this an acceptable amount of time? It probably is. It probably is. Uh, but it's definitely going to stress, I think, a lot of people that are in quote-unquote mid-tier competitive status. So if you just hit silver and you're like, oh, I qualify for the Open, I'll play. Does this affect you? Probably not. Realistically, unless you were a hardcore card gamer coming in explicitly to play in the Open and then you bought all the cards you're probably playing whatever you have. So I don't think it's going to matter. If you're a super bleeding edge competitive player, you're probably going to spend the next two weeks hammering out a gazillion games anyway. I think the people that are not quite there investment-wise time I'm talking about, where it's just, you know, I can't justify putting in a ton of time. I They won't have the games to observe from the bleeding edge competitive players necessarily. I think those are the ones that are going to suffer the most, which does suck, but 
there's there's always something. It affects people to put together spreadsheets and spend all weekend trying to pick a lineup. Yeah, I do that, but I believe me, I would be on the fence about what I'm going to pick anyway. But yes, it does change a lot for me. Uh, checking some other chat stuff. It's also important to remember that there will never be a point in this or any other card game where the game is perfectly balanced. As happy or not as a list of changes makes any given person, there will always be something else that pops up in the wake of changes that will become the new outlier. Absolutely correct, Noah. And that that's something that I think... It's a tough pill to swallow and accept. You can get very close to perfectly balanced, or some people will say they played games and metas, I know I have, that I that they feel are perfectly balanced. However, that isn't necessarily true, especially when you bring in the, you know, the fun or, you know, more fuzzy arguments where, yes, technically this is balanced because A beats B, B beats C, and C beats A, but they're all 100-0 matchups and the game is miserable. I'm not saying that's the case now, but just as an example. That's balanced, but that's not a good game. So there are other concerns. This tourney would be very fun to watch. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be exciting. Play checkers if you want perfect balance. I don't know that checkers is perfectly balanced. I feel like it's kind of like chess where going first has a a significant advantage. I'm not clear if that's true because I haven't played checkers in like a thousand years. I played chess more recently. I guess Go would be the better one, and I don't know if there's any if there's data on that, just because I don't know the game as well. Goal for the next two weeks, find the outlier and play in the OC. Well, yes. Got to take off for a bit. Please shoot me a DM when you're finished tonight. I guess. Okay, cool, Noah. Definitely hit you up. I'll probably be closing up shortly anyway. Not correlating people's feedback versus the work I put in is very hard. I can sympathize with you, Rini. I... And that's why I, I keep harping on people need to make sure they take a step back, take a breath. <laughs> Things don't get done overnight. Things aren't done instantaneously. There's a lot of effort that goes into this. So the efforts are appreciated. Um, but to the doctor's comment about for the next two weeks, find the outlier and play it in EOC, that actually brings up an interesting discussion that we've had before and since like i said i'm probably closing up soon because it it's a school night um as we started at the top this is essentially a new set the set is very small but it's going to significantly alter the meta because we're targeting things that are played there are other games that you know you can think of lcgs where they just don't introduce a whole lot of cards they don't have multi-hundred card sets they introduce like 10 or 15 card sets with the intent that hopefully all of those cards are relevant. This is targeting a whole bunch of relevant and majorly important cards. This is All the cards that are unplayable might as well not exist when we're talking about the competitive environment. Only the cards that are playable exist. So essentially the card pool is very small to begin with. This is a big percentage of those cards. This is going to reward very creative deck builders on t- even further than it would normally because we're effectively walking into a brand new environment as compared to players that are very strong players. Players that are very strong deck builders and players that are very good mechanical players. The f- the deck builders are going to have more of an advantage here than the good players will. Not to say that play skill doesn't matter. It's just that if you come up with something off the wall, unexpected, 
you're going to have a much larger advantage than somebody who would have been able to, like, if none of these changes happened, we all knew what the format was. We all knew what the top decks were. You knew what your lineups were. You could then really refine your play lines and what you're going to do in each scenario. Now it's going to be a little bit of the Wild West, so we'll see what happens. Hence, Dr. Traffic. But, uh, yeah, th this was, this is interesting. Uh, I can tell you this weekend, this week coming weekend, which, by the way, let me check it in client. I'll have to pull this down. Get rid of that. We're actually switching back to client after all that talking. I love the sound of my own voice. Um, so we have the weekly EU one. I know, Rini, is there... Uh, do you know offhand what day the NA one is going to be? <coughs> As you'd imagine, talking for that long, I uh, my throat is getting dry. So the... I did not make those. Noah does those. Okay. So, um, I'm anxious to see when it is. It's going to be very different. <laughs> As Doctor outlined the, uh, the band safe house thing, probably not going to matter for tomorrow night, but. Oh, okay. I got you, Rini. I got you. So we'll be looking forward to when the, the NA wait, NA one goes up. Another reason for me to close up. I can't talk. <clears throat> Maybe that would be preferable if I just had a silent stream. Everybody would want that instead. But, uh... <clears throat> oh, man, my throat is getting really dry and I'm out of water. So, it's going to be a very different beast. It's going to be a very different beast. Uh, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Because... We're not that far... Oop, this is not what I want to click on. I want to go here. The end of the season is on the 14th. If we hit the same pattern, the 15th is going to be our next event. So you don't have a whole lot of time to figure out what you're playing. <clears throat> and there's a lot of homework to do. So we'll see how this goes. But since my throat is actively rebelling against me, I'm going to close up shop. Unfortunately, there's nobody streaming Mythgard, but I appreciate everybody that hung out. It was a lot of fun. Shout out to Bones for the follow, even though they're gone. 15th is the next event. I'll spoil that now with a better announcement coming tomorrow. Sweet. Thanks, Noah. You heard it here first, folks. Well, <coughs> if you're watching this on YouTube, it's already been called. But anyway, I'm going to close up shop. I need to go get some more water. <laughs> Got the scoop. There we go. It's rebelling against you. <laughs> Time to get your safe house. Yep. No, I need to go get my Triforce troopers to save me. Something like that. <laughs> Anyway, uh, you can raid Aether and tell him there's a balance patch you should look at. What uh, is Aether SSB his uh, his channel? Well, I meant I meant both, Rini, actually, because I wasn't sure when the official one, but also the NA one we were looking at. Uh, let's see. I thought I followed Aether. 
I could have sworn I did, but... Yeah, I did. Then why is he not showing up? That's weird. He wasn't showing up in my, uh... I don't know, Twitch is being weird. Whatever. All right, so... Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, Rini. <laughs> I only have Mythgard Hub whitelisted right now. <laughs> my bad. Uh, but I'll raid... I'll raid Aether. Uh, somebody let him know, because I desperately need to get water, so I'm going to run upstairs. Um... Somebody let them know that there's a balance patch when you, everybody heads over there. <laughs> Sorry about that, Reedy. But uh, we're going to do the usual sign-off because, as always, everybody, thank you for listening, thank you for watching, and Black Lives Matter.